0: Amen. Get a Lord of Hand. Praise the Lord. Are you ready for the Word? Are you ready for the Word? Hallelujah! That's why we here. Amen. We want to come and and to be equipped, where we can get back out there, where we can be a servant to the Lord, disciples of the Lord. Amen. So right now we. Uh, it's a privilege to uh, introduce and to present uh, my son, um, everybody know, Elder Watkins, the Root is right here, grandfather and down, keeping on, and Jews and going to be handed down to the kids, and kids, and, <laughs> and but right now, I'm going to ask you to stand. As we getting ready, get into the meat of it all. So right now I'm gonna introduce present to some Elder Watkins. Let's give them a hand praise.
1: And church. Be in the house of the Lord once again. I don't know about you, but it's just something different about being in the house with the saints. I just never can get over that. I do, uh, my heart goes out to those who are not with us for whatever reasons those might be. And our hope and our prayer is that soon you will be with us again out there in Zoom land. I hope that there's nobody there that just opted, you know what, I don't feel like going today, so I'm just gonna go ahead and stay home. But that could be the case, I don't know. We'll still pray for you, right? We still love you, right? We, you you're still part of the family of God, right? And I'm not trying to lay no guilt trip on, I don't want you to miss out, right? Being here in the presence of God with the saints of God, the way that he intended it to be. Uh, Zoom is good, and I've used it a few times myself when I have not been able to be here. And it's a good thing, but I do miss being here in the house of the Lord with the saints. I am going to today continue on with a message that I started last time I was before you i did not finish it then and i will not finish it now so i have no intention on trying to get through all of the notes and all of the portions of my outline here on today so we're going to try to get through as much of it as possible and then finish up with it on the next time lord willing we're just going to go ahead and open up with a word of prayer but while we are doing that um, we just want you to continue to be in prayer for uh, the first family, with uh, for, for uh, uh, Pastor Jerry Seawright and Sister Karen C. Wright, and family that are out of town on today, uh, that they would have a good time in the Lord and that they would return home safely and without harm and without incident. We are at this time going to go ahead and just open up with a brief word of prayer so that I don't have you standing too long. Uh, just bow your heads if you would, please. Thank you. Lord God, for this yet another day, Lord, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your loving kindness. We thank you for all those who came, Lord, on today to render service to you, Lord. We thank you for the the colliers who played skillfully upon the instruments and upon the piano. We thank you for those who sung with their voices and those that clapped with their hands. Everyone, Lord God, who had a heart that was raised, Lord, up to you, Lord God, uh, that was towards you. Lord, we ask right now, Lord, that you would bless In the name of Jesus, now as we get into your word, Lord, bless this, your humble manservant, that I might speak that which you would have me to say, adding nothing to it nor taking anything away, Lord. But, Lord, we ask right now in the name of Jesus that we would all take away something from what it is that we are getting on today, Lord, that we would not just be mere hearers of your word only, but doers also. And, Lord, we ask right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God that you would help us to study your word, to show ourselves approved unto you, Lord, workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. These favors and these blessings we ask by Christ Jesus. Amen. May be seated. I don't have a particular scripture text that I will be coming from. There will be multiple ones that I will make reference to, which is why I'm not having you to continue to stand as we read a passage. Um, but I would ask you and encourage you to take notes and also to uh, turn to these passages as we go through them. Just by way of reminder, uh, if those of you who maybe don't recall what the last message was about, it is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help us, God. So help us, God. And uh, with this, particular passage of scripture that I'm going to be coming with uh, from today, this, this message is going to be coming from various passages, but um, on last time, we talked about the beginning of knowledge and truth, because that's where you start from at the beginning, right? Anybody had any trouble getting something done if you don't start at the beginning? If you start halfway through, it, it, you just can't finish it, right? You can't do it right, because you done missed some steps, and you definitely don't want to go to the end and try to finish something, because you'll have a whole lot of things that were left undone. So we wanna make sure that we understand that we have to start at the beginning, at the beginning, and the beginning is knowing where the source of truth come from, and that's having a right relationship with God, the source of truth, the source of truth. And then as you learn who the source of truth is, there is a pathway by which you travel throughout the course of your Christian life, and you continue to get more knowledge. You begin to absorb more truth, and hopefully that truth will change you step by step, day by day, as you are conformed daily to the image of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then finally, there is an end point or a destination. Why are we doing all of this that we're doing here? What are we here for? Anybody ever ask yourself the question, what in the world are we doing here? Well, most of the the major religions of the world ask that question, and they try to answer it. But I have found that only Christianity has been able to answer those pertinent and relevant questions and to back it up with a resurrected Savior, one who has declared himself to be God in the flesh and who is God in the flesh and has proven such because when he died, he didn't stay dead. He got up like he said he would, and he not only got up from the grave, but he ascended like he said he would. And there's no reason for us to believe after doing all of that, that he is not going to return like he said he would. And we're looking for that day to come. So that endpoint or destination of knowledge is also a very important component as well. We talked about the idea of various people in a courtroom. Uh, We won't go through all of that in terms of the different people that you see in the courtroom. and, And then that question is asked, do you promise or do you swear to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. And we went through that and we said, we just want the truth. That's it. And in case there was any confusion about what the truth is, it says the whole truth truth and nothing but the truth. That means don't be adding nothing else to it, right? Right? Don't add anything to it. Otherwise, it's not the truth. That's the whole truth. And nothing but the truth, right? So the whole truth, don't lead anything out and nothing but the truth, don't add anything to it and whoever came up with this had enough sense to know that you would need some help because you can't do that in and of yourself being in a fallen state, right? You need some help from on high. So help you God, right? So we want today to understand that we need to make sure that we handle truth in such a way as to show that it's something that's very important. If you try to live your life and you live in your life, according to a lie, you will not be very successful in life. And you will be very disappointed at the end of your life when you stand before a holy and righteous God who has some requirements for all of us. Right. I don't want anybody to be disappointed. I don't want anybody to be standing up there trying to figure out what to say. Right. Which is why we want to make sure that we share with you the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. So we talked about the beginnings of knowledge when I mean, last time we were before you, we talked about these beginnings. And, and what we said was that knowing the truth and the truth will make us free. If we know the truth, it will make us free. That came from John 8, 31 and 32. So not only having the truth. So it's not enough just to have the truth, but you need to know the truth as well. What does that mean? You need to know the truth when you hear it. Right. There was something that was different about. Jesus teaching, right? The people could even figure that out because they said he don't speak like the Pharisees, right? He speaks as somebody who having authority, right? So these commoners could listen to what was being said by the Pharisees, who were the doctors of the law, the ones who supposedly had everything together, all their dots on their eyes, all their T's crossed, right? All the commas in just the right spot, right? All of the the elo- eloquent. Uh, uh, oration that they were able to do in front of all the people and still there was something different about what they did compared to this carpenter compared to this Galilean this one from Nazareth right in whom they said what good can come from Nazareth right this same carpenter right son of a carpenter was speaking in such a way that they could hear a difference and they knew that what he was saying was the truth and he spoke it with authority. He spoke it with what? Conviction, right? When we stand before you and we try to tell you the truth, it's one thing to tell the truth, but if we stand up here and we don't have any conviction about it, we can't sell nothing, can we? We can't sell you on that. If a door-to-door salesman comes to your house and he says, Oh, this is the greatest, most powerful type of cleanser that has ever been created, you can clean this and you can clean that and 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 it works for this and it works for that. And then you ask them, well, how long you've been using? And they say, oh, I don't use this. I use something else. What kind of a salesman is that? One is not very effective, right? Because he is not one who has a testimony of his own to offer. He's going based off of what the party line is or what the company line is or what it is that the people say, right? What, what other people have said and not something that he has tried himself. We need to be in a position where we can speak with conviction we are telling the truth to other people and the only way to do that is if you taste and see that the lord is good that you have to try him for yourself don't you right huh do we have any witnesses in here is there anybody who has tried the lord to see has anybody tasted to see if the lord is in fact good like he said he was he is good I'm not just standing up here telling you because my father did and because my grandfather did and a whole host of other family members did. I'm telling you because I personally have tried him myself and have determined that he is good. I wish there was a better word. Great. Awesome. Huh? Spectacular. Fantastic. Right. He is good, isn't he? Right. So also, not just having the truth, but knowing the truth, being having some discernment. So being schooled and versed in the truth so as to have discernment and thus being free from sin and the penalties associated with sin. It's not enough just to be able to quote the scriptures, but you have to be able to get that word inside of you, live according to it, and then be able to teach others also, right? You have to be able to teach others. Others also. And when you hear a lie, you need to be able to have some discernment and know that's not true. That's not right. That is not accurate. That is not consistent with what the Word of God says. Well, how are you going to know that if you don't study the Bible, if you don't read the Bible, if you don't spend some time in God's Word on a daily basis? I believe last time I talked to you uh, before you, Um, it might've been on Tuesday night, I can't remember now, but when we have a picture of our physical man and we eat three meals plus snacks in between and a little bit more, some dessert, right? Mm -hmm. And we look at ourselves in the meal, in the mirror and say, well, I'm healthy. Um, some people are really healthy, right? Huh? But then you look into the word of God and you say, this seems foreign to me. I don't know what this is. Let me unstick these pages. That haven't been separated since I bought it, and then you think about your spiritual man, what he must look like, what she must look like, because they haven't eaten in six weeks, or they haven't eaten in six months, or six years. Right? We're talking about life support at this point and malnourishment. So that being said, we have to take some uh, some onus on how it is that we look at our spiritual well-being our spiritual life and recognize that we need to eat some spiritual food every once in a while right and that means a few times a day maybe right in order to stay healthy and that can come as a result of your own personal study as a result of prayer as a result of talking with others about the word of God and listening to others who are teaching and preaching the word. So the giving of the apostles was something else that we talked about from Ephesians 4, 11 through 5, and this all has to do with the beginning of knowledge. This was what was set in, in motion by God uh, uh, with the prophets and the apostles uh, and and also uh, something that was foundational that we need in order to be successful. So he gave uh, in, in Ephesians 4, 11 through 15, he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to the church by god for our perfecting are we perfect as christians we are not are we because we mess up don't we anybody out there messed up before i mean like after you got saved certainly not right huh you didn't mess up after you got saved did you yes every single one of us mess up we mess up in some ways that we know about in other ways we don't even know about right There's sins of commission and sins of omission. There's things that we do that we should not do and things we should do that we don't do. And this has to do with us being in the flesh. It is impossible for us to avoid that and be perfect. So I like to say we are not perfect as Christians. And even though the world says, well, you you act like you're perfect. Ain't nobody perfect. Well, okay, you're preaching to the choir here. I already know that. Tell me something else I didn't know. Right? Right. No, we're not perfect, but we are being perfected, though, aren't we? It's an ongoing process. I am a work in progress, and I would venture to say that you are likewise a work in progress. Every day that God gets you up is another day that he has plans for you, and those plans involve perfecting you and making you into what it is that he wants you to be, which is conforming you to the very image of his son, Jesus Christ. That is his plan for you every day. But he uses different methods and means by which to accomplish that on a daily basis. That would come in the form of your tests and your trials and the things that you experience in life, right? Even the world has enough sense to know whatever doesn't kill you make you stronger, right? But see, we have something better than that. We have someone who not only devises these things, allows these things to happen, but he has a purpose for them for our good, and they all work together for our good and for his glory. Not only that, but he gives us the power and the strength to get through these things and become better on the other side of through. Because his desire is to get you through these things, right? We wanna be through with them today. But he said, nope, it's gonna take a couple of weeks. Might take a couple of months, but he doesn't tell you how long does he? Because he wants you to not only believe him, but he wants you to trust him also. And he wants you to have that hope that comes in the future on that great day. What else did he do? The sanctifying of Christ as Lord, not just a savior in our hearts as we are, as we readily and eagerly give an account for the hope that is in us to others with love and respect. And that's first Peter three fifteen. So That scripture says, sanctify, sanctify Christ as Lord. What does that mean? Sanctify the Lord. That means that he's not just your Savior. A lot of people want a Savior, but they don't want a Lord. Right? Well, wait a minute, preacher. Isn't that synonymous? Don't that mean the same thing? We're talking about the same person, right? Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. Right? So he's our Lord. What does Lord mean? That means he has lordship over your life. He has control over your life. Oh, no, I can't do all of that now. This is my life, right? I mean, I, he gave it to me, so I need to do some things that I want to do. It can't be every single day about Jesus, right? Yes, it better be. Yes, it can be. And that is part of that shaping and molding that you have to go through on a daily basis. Your will has to be conformed to his will right? It's not you conforming his will to your will, right? Because see, the thing is going to happen. One one of two things is going to happen. Either you are of your own volition, of your own free will, going to say to God, just like Jesus did in the garden of Gethsemane, not my will be done, but thy will be done, right? Or on that last day, when Jesus comes back, Right? and he's judging the world and the nations, he will say to you, okay, not my will, but your will be done. You know what? It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that all should be saved. But at some point in your life, whether on this side or on the other side of the rapture, right? there is going to be somebody's will getting done and if you have not submitted your will to christ he will say to you one day okay not my will but your will be done you wanted to be rid of me you wanted to be separated from me you didn't want to have nothing to do with me you didn't want to obey my word didn't want to investigate to see if it was true or not you just was a naysayer the whole time I sent this person, and I sent that person. I sent this relative, and I sent this word, and you kept saying, nope, nope, nope. I don't want it, don't want it, don't want it. Got no use for it. And one day he will say, your will be done. And your will will be to be separated from God for all eternity. And there's only one place where that you can go, and that's in hell. A place where all of us, we're headed to before Jesus stepped in uh, and stopped and changed our course, right? Because we were already judged, right? Book of John tells us that we were already judged in the fifth chapter. We were already judged. But grace and mercy stepped in and said, not so. Yes, not for this one, right? This one has been chosen. This is one of his elect, Right? Hmm? This is for this is one for whom Christ died for, right? And now, he has escaped the hell fire that was awaiting him, and he has passed from death unto life. The thing is that we don't know who is going to be in that number and who's not going to be in that number, which is why we were left here so that we can help the Holy Spirit, right? So we can help lead people to Christ. So the law of the Lord being perfect, able to restore our souls, his testimony being sure, making wise the simple. That came from Psalms 19, 7 through 10. We've seen how getting started on the right path to knowledge is crucial, crucial, even essential. If you want to get to a destination or accomplish an objective, this is something that's very important. So this is talking about now as we transition into the pathway of knowledge and truth. If you want to get to Florida from Michigan, don't get on I-95 or 94 West, right? Hmm? You know what I'm talking about, those of you who drive. If you want to get to Florida, don't get on I-94 West. Hmm? You'll never get there, will you? Because you are on the wrong road. You are going on a road that does not go south, but it goes east and west. You need to get on a road that goes north and south if you want to get to, to Florida, right? You should instead get on I-75, and within 20-plus hours, you will get to Florida, right, from southeastern Michigan, depending on who's driving, right? Right. Some people, it might be 18 hours, other people, it might be 24 hours, but eventually, you may get there, right? You will get there if you just stay on I-75 and do not veer off the road, right? Because the goal, the objective is to what? To get to Florida, right? And not Chicago, right? Because if you take I-94 going west, that's where you're going to end up, right? Right? And you will not be in Florida, and you will be sorely disappointed once you get there. So if you want to bake a cake, don't grab a dictionary, right? You would do much better with a cookbook. You have to know where the information is coming from, right? You have to be sure of where this information is coming from and get the right type of information in order to get to where it is that you want to get to. The only thing that you're going to get from reading a dictionary is an excellent vocabulary, right? Hmm? You will be able to wow people with your 40 and $50 words, won't you? You will have proper spelling and pronunciation of these words, but you still will not have a cake, will you? You will not have a kit- cake, not with a dictionary, right? So you have to select the right type of a source. your information, because if you get the wrong type, you will not be able to accomplish your objective. So the Bible, the scripture, the inspired word of God is the only source that will guide one on a path that leads to ultimate destination. The ultimate destination is what? Heaven. Heaven. And it alone is good and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That's according to 2 Timothy 3.16. That is if you're interested in that sort of thing. I'm just assuming because you're here in a church that that is something that you might want to have, right? You might want something that is good, something that is profitable for teaching, right? You might want something that maybe will reprove you from time to time, that will correct you when you get off course, right? And you may want something that will be able to train and instruct you in righteousness, If that's what you're looking for, that is the pure, unadulterated, unchanging, uncompromised word of God. I'm not just sitting up here talking to you or standing up here telling you about the word of God because I'm a preacher. Well, that's what that's your thing. Right. No, I'm I'm telling you as a Christian, as a child of God, if you do not hunger and thirst after the word of God, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. And I mean, in the worst way, Hmm? we're talking about total, right? Don't even bother filing an insurance claim, right? Because that is death and destruction and damnation for all eternity. So where you start and the path you take is important. Where you start and the path you take is important. According to Matthew 7, 13 and 14, it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Well, how does that apply to our lives today? Hmm. Well, if you're going down a path and subscribing to a way of thinking that is consistent with popular consensus, you know what that is, right? That's what they say on, on, on social media, right? That's what you hear on the news. That's what you hear from Hollywood. That's what you hear from all of those who uh, are the, the rich and beautiful folks, the people who have power and influence, Right. That's popular consensus. If you find you yourself thinking that in a way that is consistent with their views, tread lightly and use extreme caution. You are more than likely missing the fact that you passed through a broad gate some time ago and are traveling down a broad way with a large number of broad-minded people. Do you know that they have taken the term narrow-minded? and turned it into a negative thing narrow-minded what does that mean that means you're not broad-minded right you need to think more broadly about these subjects right you should just have this panoramic view of all of these issues and be open to this and that and that other one too right Hmm? why is it that throughout scripture we see things like fixing your eyes on jesus who is the author and the finisher of your faith. Setting your affections upon things that are eternal and not things that are temporal. Hmm? Why do we have scripture that is replete with examples of a focused vision, right? Of not loving the world, right? Or the things of the world, right? Uh, Not seeking after mammon or riches, right? As opposed to The things of God. Right. God wants our focus to be myopic. Right. He does not want it to be panoramic. That is to say, myopic means you are looking focused. Right. Whatever you see, you're going to look through a lens. Right. That is based upon God's word. Before you make a move to the left or to the right, you're going to go straight forward and look at what it is God wants you to look at. Instead of this panoramic view where you get to see everything at the same time, and it's a smorgasbord, and you just get to check check this a little bit, check this out, check that out a little bit, and then at the end of the day, you don't stand for anything because you done fell for everything, right? And little by little, gradually, insidiously, it begins to shape and mold your thinking, your worldview, becomes more like that of the culture around you, rather than you having the word of truth, the knowledge of truth, and sharing that with the lost, where you're supposed to have more influence upon them, they're having more influence upon you and how you think. These things ought not be. One of the Bible writers, one of the 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 uh, the, the, the epistles, in one of the epistles, we, we find those words. This can happen insidiously, over time, they can sneak. Ideologies that shape your worldview to anything but a Christian biblical worldview. And it can be anything. They don't care if it's anything. They don't care what it is as long as it's not a Christian worldview. A Christian worldview comes with it certain requirements. It comes with certain restrictions. It comes with condemnation that falls upon everyone not just a handful of people, not just this class over here or this group over here. It falls upon everyone equally because we were all born in sin and shapen in iniquity, every single one of us. And if it was not for the grace and mercy of God, that's where we would all be today. So this can be accomplished through uh, social media, these, this indoctrination, this this uh, changing of your worldview, this uh, the, these subtleties, this insidious thing that's going on uh, in society. Uh, it can happen through social media, through TV, through commercials and movies, etc. And you will begin to accept things that in the past you would have never agreed with. And I mean, it happens fast, too. Because I would say that a year and a half ago, there's things going on right now that many of us would be like, oh, no, that, we can't do that. That's not right. But over the last year and a half, we have slowly begun to accept certain things more so, and it has sped up exponentially. It's not happening as gradually as it was once happening. And that's why we are also more now aware of the change that is happening. It's because we see it more clearly now because it's brazen and it's bold and it's in your face and they don't care because they have no opposition. Has the church just gotten quiet? Did the, did the cat take your tongue or the canary or whoever it was that's supposed to take your tongue? I don't know what that expression is. Right? Right? Somebody's got your tongue because you're not using it. Somebody got it. I don't know if it's the cat or the canary, but one of them have it. It's not you, right? And it's certainly not being used. And when I'm saying that, I'm saying this in terms of the universal church. I'm not saying this as an indictment against any one individual, right, or group of individuals within a local church. But I am saying that our effectiveness as the church, as the church of God, the living God, right, the one who gave us the great commission, you remember him, right, right, that one. We have not been doing that, have we? We have capitulated time and time and time again to what it is that the world has prescribed is right and wrong, and they have become the moral experts. They are the ones with all the virtue now, right? And we on the other hand, are looked upon as being intolerant, and bigots, right? Not the ones who love, right? No, they love everybody. But we hate people. Right? This is the narrative that is going forward. And as a result, the culture has begun to believe that of us when it is so much, uh, could not be more uh, far from the truth. By contrast, if you are going down a path and subscribe to a way of thinking that is consistent with the principles and tenets of scripture, you may have noticed that narrow gate as you pass through because you are more likely alert and paying attention to your steps and also realize that you are on a narrow way as well. Uh, that has very few people on it, all of which have their eyes narrowly fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of their faith. Hmm? When your eyes are fixed on Jesus, you don't have a whole lot of time for all this peripheral stuff that's going on, right? Looking at a little bit of this and looking at a little bit of that, being distracted by this and, and being set off course by that, right? You are fixed on Jesus Christ, but what that means is that I'm not just focused on getting to heaven because that's where Jesus is. I'm fixed on the mission, right, and the ministry that Jesus Christ has entrusted into my hands. You have an eternal focus, an eternal goal in mind, and it is not something that has to do with all these temporal verities that we see here. My 401K, you know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I might live that long. It'd probably be 70-year-old before I can get anything, you know, from retirement. By the time I get up there, I'll be going to work with a walker or a cane. They won't let me uh, retire before 70. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, Or maybe Jesus will be back by then, which is more likely the way things are going now. That's not to instill uh, fear in anybody. Uh, it's not to 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 act as though uh, you know I'm'm uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Debbie downer or that I'm fatalistic in some way, but I'm looking at the signs of the times. I'm looking at the writing on the wall. I'm looking at what's going on in this world and as it prepares itself for the return of Jesus Christ, we are getting to a point now where his return could be imminent. It could be any time. not a whole lot more that needs to be done before it'd be right for his time. to come back. Don't listen to the thieves and the robbers enter through the door. All who come, who came before me, Jesus says in in John uh, 8, 10, 8 through 10, he says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. What does that mean? That means that the sheep who are truly those who are, who belong to Jesus Christ, they have a discerning ear, don't they? And they don't listen to the thief and they don't listen to the robber, do they? Right? Because they know the voice of the good shepherd, don't they? And they hear his voice. But the sheep, he said, did not hear them. I am the door, he says. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill. And to destroy, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. So all who came before me, when he said that, he's talking about the false prophets, the false teachers, the false religious leaders, the false apostles. All of them were just false, right? We got a lot of prophets and we got a lot of apostles today, too, don't we? And I don't mean just in the church, per se, but there is the forming of some kind of a world Socio-political religion that's going on right now where people talk about politics as though it is a religion. And they have their favorites, right? I'm of this denomination. I'm of that denomination, right? And there is a rush to see how far we can go to the other side. Hmm? And it's dragging the whole country and the whole world to that side, and some of the proponents of some of these uh, world religion type uh, uh, political, social, political uh, organizations—they're getting ran over too, because they're not extreme enough. They're not extreme enough, and they're getting swallowed and eaten up just like the other folks who still have two brain cells to run to get to rub together, and they can discern between right and wrong. Hmm getting drugged. But this is the kind of thing that we see going on. And all of these people who are not speaking the truth of God's word, who are not speaking the truth in general, they are liars and deceivers. The sheep have discernment, and they know the truth when they hear it, and they know the voice of the Lord and can distinguish between his voice and the voice of the liars Salvation comes to those who enter at and through the door. Green pastures, that is sustenance, that which you need in order to survive, to grow, to mature, that is what will be provided for you by the good shepherd. After you come through the door, the way, the truth, and the life, right? Jesus is a whole lot, isn't he? He's everything, not just a whole life. But he is everything, and he promises that you will not just have life, but abundant life is awaiting all those who come. The alternative is destruction at the hands of thieves and robbers. Those who desire it, uh, it, it, their, their desire is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The devil and his human agents pose as friends who have your best interest in mind and want you to be happy. They want you to be happy in your sin, don't they? Hmm? They want you to be free, right? To do whatever it is you want to do. They don't want rules and regulations, right? Uh, not, not, none of the, now that uh, to me it, it's that sounds like an oxymoron when you when you start talking about uh, uh, wanting to be free in your sin, free to sin, right? When the end thereof is the way of destruction. The way of destruction. Why would you want somebody to enjoy something that is ultimately going to lead to their destruction? But they have good intentions, though, right? Well, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I heard a brother say, and the theme song is I did it my way. Right? Huh? Right? But at least they said they did it their way, right? When it's all said and done. They had a whole bunch of good intentions, and they had a catchy tune. I did it my way, right? Huh? They did it their way, but now doing it their way has landed them in an eternal hell of which there is no escape. That is not a good outcome for anybody. A lot of times what they want to sell you is this idea that you can have pleasure, experience the pleasures of sin without the consequences. And everything that you've kind of seen in medicine, that you've seen in science, has been lately to try to alleviate the consequences of a person's action. When you start talking about birth control pills, well, there's a good reason to use them if you are irregular and you want to regulate your menstrual cycle. But if somebody is using them so that they can go out and be promiscuous and not have to suffer the consequences, then that is an evil reason to use birth control pills. If somebody doesn't wanna have a child and they use some kind of a contraceptive, right? That's a good, but if your idea is I wanna be able to use it so I don't get an STD, then that's an evil reason to use it because you shouldn't have to worry about that in God's economy, right? How about the morning after pill? They created that for rape victims, but now you got people who hook up at the bar and they want to get a prescription so that they can go do what they want to do and the next morning take care of it. Hmm? That's an evil reason to be using it, right? Hmm? How about the hangover medication? You can go out and drink and drink and drink and take a pill so that you can go to work in the morning. These are things that have come about To try to take away the consequences of actions, the consequences of sin, abortion. In the case of rape or something like that or incest, that is something that people have used it for. But if you just want to use it just so you can go out and do whatever you want to and not suffer the consequences of pregnancy, right, then that is a wrong thing to use it for. That is not in keeping with God's economy, with his worldview, with a biblical worldview. And when I say that, I'm not telling you what my opinion is because you got an opinion, I got an opinion. Like Elder Williamson said, everybody got a belly button, right? Some have an any, some have an outie, some have one that looks perfect, right? But everybody's got one. And all of them are different, aren't they? Right? Is that right? We're not talking about my opinion versus your opinion we're talking about god's opinion versus our opinion right and his opinion is worth more right it matters more right see his opinion is going to determine whether or not you spend eternity in heaven right or in hell whether you will have eternal life or eternal damnation Now, i don't know about you but that means something to me you got my attention right You got my attention, Lord. Right. And I think I'm going to do it your way and not sing that song. I did it my way. Right. Each of these have uh, each of these has a medical intent that is for the common good, but used to promote the evil desires in the hearts of mankind. And this is the way that it goes. Every time a person comes up with a thing that is going to benefit and help mankind, there are other people that will use that same exact thing to hurt and harm mankind. What does that say about human nature? It, it, it says that you have some people on one side, right? That will want to try to do good. You have others on the other side that will do everything they can to try to do evil, but every single one of them is dead and trespassing, whether you consider By man's standard, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and there's none righteous, no, not one. So, beware of the servants of Satan in disguise. But what I am doing, I will continue to do. Said I, so that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the matter. About which they are boasting. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians in his second letter, defending not only his apostleship but also the word of God, and to keep the integrity of the word of God from being uh, d- diminished by false teachers and false preachers. He came at them and and took the fight directly to them. So he said, "For for such men are false uh, apostles, deceitful workers." disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness whose end will be according to their deeds. 2 Corinthians 11, 12 through 15. He's talking about Satan appearing as an angel of light. Anybody ever seen satan before some of you might argue and say yeah i saw a picture of him he had a pitchfork and he had a long tail and he had some horns and some fangs nope that's not him he don't look that way that's just hollywood dressing him up to look like that right but he apply he he he, uh, he makes himself appear to be like something attractive something that is an angel of light right uh, and, and light, what does that have with it? Knowledge and truth, right? He appears to be one who is full of light, full of truth, right? But he don't tell you about that, that lie. It's woven in there, right? Like he did in the beginning with Adam and Eve, right? Huh? Hath God said. Hmm? He knows that if you eat from that tree, you, you know, you're gonna be like him. And you're gonna be able to discern good from evil. Yeah, you will. You will. You will be able to discern good from evil. And then he slips this in there. He just doesn't want you to be like him. He's being selfish, right? He doesn't want you to be like him, and he's trying to withhold something from you. What kind of a God would do that? And she said, hmm. You know, that fruit doesn't look all that bad. It looks pretty tasty. Hmm? And after all, it is pleasing to the eye, and it will make me wise. What could be the harm in that? Well, you see where we are today, right? Hmm? And we can't lay that on her, can we? We have to lay that at the feet of Adam, who was told by God, don't eat from that tree. Right? He was supposed to have a helpmate, and instead of him having a helpmate, he became the follower rather than the leader that God wanted him to be. He gave up his position as the spiritual head of the household and did eat with his eyes wide open. She was deceived, but he was not deceived, was he? His wife didn't deceive him. She didn't slip him a Mickey and say, why don't you have some of this fruit? I cut it up and took the skin off of it. Just take this. No, he saw it. And we also know that a tree is known by the fruit that it bears. And if there was a tree, the knowledge of good and evil, it was unlike any other tree that was in the garden. And it had a distinct looking fruit upon it. And I imagine the image of that fruit was tattooed in his brain and he knew exactly what it looked like. But he ate it anyway, didn't he? He ate it anyway. And look where we are today. Look where we are today. And we haven't even got there yet. Mm -hmm. We're getting there, but we haven't got there yet. So Paul realized that in his defense of the faith and his apostleship, he had to put preemptive, uh, had to be preemptive in his approach to false teachers and false apostles. And cut off opportunity from them to speak authoritatively in regard to the teaching and preaching of the word. Sometimes we have to see the tricks of the evil one, the wicked ones, the ones who teach and preach things that are contrary to the word of God, and we need to preemptively cut them off. It might involve cutting off the TV. It may be cutting off some of those streaming services. It may be cutting off some of that social media Hmm? It may be cutting off certain business dealings with certain companies that support certain agendas that are not in line with the word of God. And I will tell you, I would rather do those kinds of preemptive things rather than enter into some full scale physical warfare with people who you don't even know who the enemy is. We need to do something now while we can. Before it gets to that point, because there are some rich and some powerful individuals who are trying to suppress the truth of God's word in unrighteousness, as it says in Romans chapter one, verse 18. And the wrath of God is coming down upon them, and it will come down upon them because of their wickedness and their desire to suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That's what's going on. They want to suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And a lot of their ability to do so is because the church has stepped back. The church has said, oh, well. Boy, times are getting bad. Wow. Mm. Come, Lord Jesus, come.
0: Mm.
1: What are we going to do? I mean, it just seemed like we take one step forward and two steps back. What are we going to do? What have you been doing? Have you been doing what God called you to do? Have you been in the highways and the byways? Have you taken the fight to the enemy? Or are you just in the defensive mode, right? You left your sword at home. So all you're doing is just trying to keep that shield of faith up, right? Don't hit me in the head. I got the helmet of salvation, right? The, the belt of truth. Oh, I left my, my, my pants at home. I don't even have them because they fell off, right? Huh? I don't even have the belt of truth on, right? And I'm barefooted, don't even have my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You look like a sad excuse for a, a soldier, right? Now, when I say you, I'm not talking about anybody in particular. I just want, I'm just saying, looking at the world as it is right now, knowing the power of God through the word of God, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. That's what I'm talking about. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. It is the only thing that can save. Laws can't save people. Politicians can't save people. Stimulus checks can't save people. Government spending cannot save people, and it's not going to change hearts either. The only thing that can save is what the Bible says, and that is Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can save from the guttermost to the uttermost and everyone in between, the only one. So let's try stop trying to change the program writing all these fancy books and whatnot and self-help things, that's not going to do it. It is the word of God. But how are you going to change somebody's life if your own life hasn't been changed? Now, I would like to think that I'm preaching to the choir up here, but I know better. If you feel as though you just haven't had victory in your life, If you feel as though things just don't go right for you, if you feel like I'm just going through the motions, I have no purpose, Hmm? I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe you need a strong dose of the word of God yourself and a right relationship with God. Hmm? Maybe that's the problem. And stop with all of this peripheral stuff in the world, being distracted. By all these things that the world has to offer, all of these trinkets, all these shiny things. Paul pointed out some things about these false teachers, of which we have plenty today. He said they were boastful, deceitful, disguised as purveyors of light, that is truth, right? And righteousness, just like Satan presents himself to be setting themselves up as the professors of morality and virtue when the reality is far from it. We have a new form of virtue nowadays, a new form of morality. And now we find that the church is under condemnation by the world because we are the ones with the problems. We are the ones who are hating. We are the ones not showing love. We are the ones who are not accepting of all people. Is that the truth? Is that the truth? Or is that just the narrative? Hmm. Unfortunately, the people in the world who don't have any discernment, they don't care if it's a narrative or the truth. They don't distinguish between a narrative and the truth. They are just going to believe it because so-and-so said it. Such and such said it. Well, I mean, they, they got to be telling the truth, of course. I mean, they—they—they're they, they, a movie star. They have to be telling the truth. They're from Hollywood. Uh, they, they're rich. They're millionaires. They—they got to be telling the truth. Well, I mean, he's sitting on the—he's been on that news station for I don't know how many years. He—he got to be telling the truth. They wouldn't let him keep his job if he was lying. Hmm. Got to wake up. We got to wake up. That preacher, oh, no, he, done, he got a big church. There's no way in the world he's lying. Oh, yes, he is. He's not telling the truth. And this is what we need to have is more discernment about these kinds of things. Judgment Day will come for them, just as it will for those who have listened to them without a discerning ear. Let he who has an ear hear what the spirit is saying to the churches. First Timothy two, one through six. First of all, I urge you, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men for Kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior who desires all men to be saved, And to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator, also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all the testimony given at the proper time. So God's desire is that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what his desire. What should our desire be if we're his children? Should be the same, right? So what does it say? Entreaties? right? That's extreme petitions. We are praying on other people's behalf, right? Intercessory prayers, right? Thanksgiving for all men. for And who are we supposed to pray for? All men, kings, presidents, right? And those in authority over us. And why should we do this? So that we can live what? Quiet, tranquil lives in all godliness and dignity? Are the people of our nation and the world Leading a uh, tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity? Is that what you see? That's not what's happening, is it? Why is that? Are we praying? Are we praying for our leaders? Are we praying for people outside of our circle? Are we even praying for the people inside of our circle? (laughs) Are you making entreaties and praying prayers and making petitions and offering thanksgiving for all men? These are things that we need to be doing. But again, I have to take you back to that first question. Are you even in a position to pray, to make entreaties? Because the the, the first prayer of somebody who's not saved is, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a savior. If you haven't done that yet, I mean, I don't think your prayers is getting beyond the ceiling. You can keep trying. But you got to have a relationship with God first. There is but one God, one mediator between God and men, and one way, one truth, one life-giving spirit, one ransom given at the proper time for all men, and that is Jesus Christ. He is the only one. Another thing we have to keep in mind is don't believe everything you hear. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. This comes from 1 John 4, 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have come out into the world. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist of which you have been he- you have heard that it is coming and now it is already in the world you are from God little children and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world they are of are from the world therefore they speak as from the world and the world listens to them we are from God he who knows God listens to us he who is not from God does not listen to us By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So what is the test? How do you know who you should listen to and who you should not listen to? By what they say about Jesus Christ. By what they say about Jesus Christ. Before you listen to somebody, you need to find out what their view of Jesus Christ is. Boy, you're just talking about preachers, though, right? you just talking about that church, right? No. No. That's not what I'm talking about. Only. I'm talking about all these people who have your ear out in the world. People that you get your social cues from. People that you get your world views from. If they don't understand who Jesus is, and they don't believe him to be who he is, then that's not a person you need to be listening to, because that person... Is going to lead you down that broad way that leads to destruction. More could be said about that, but we're going to wrap this up right now. How can something that seems so right be so wrong? Anybody ever asked that question? Hmm? There is a way which seems right to a man, but it end, but its end is the way of death. That particular proverb was so important that they the. That, that, that uh, it was written twice in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 14 and 12 and 16 and 25. Everything that feels right is not right. And it has to do with relationships, ideologies, worldviews, and behaviors, and a host of other things. Just because it feels right don't mean that it's right. Some people would go so far as to say, or to sing, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Anybody ever heard of that? Hmm? Some of y'all probably sang the song, right? Hmm? If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. There's a lot of people that feel that way today. Hmm? Still. Now when that song was written, I believe it was written from a man to a woman, but nowadays it could be any host of combinations. Right, right? And they're still saying the same thing. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. There is no desire to be right. Hmm? Even as catchy as the song Mrs. Jones is, right? That brother was wrong. Hmm? He was just wrong as two left shoes, right? Going after another man's wife and singing a song about it. Huh? That ain't right. And y'all know it ain't right. That's why you're laughing. Hmm? But this is the kind of thing that's been going on in the human race for a long time. But it's just picking up speed and getting worse and worse and worse. They say this to their own peril, these people, and destruction, and to the others affected, affected parties. Because we're talking about destroyed families, destroyed relationships, destroyed marriages, all kinds of stuff. God has established a natural order and a proper order, and when you violate either uh, either one of those, pain and suffering and eventually judgment is what results. Relationships between male and female and the institution of marriage are both ordained of God and established and sustained by God. Our opinions, feelings, predilections about any number of topics must always be filtered through God's objective and authoritative word. What he thinks is more important than what we think to make important life decisions based on opinions, feelings and predilections instead of God's word is a recipe for misery and eventual destruction. And this has impacts on individuals, on families, on neighborhoods, countries, states, societies and countries. All of this is something that we need to consider. So looking at what we've talked about so far, the the beginning of of your knowledge of truth uh, is important. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and understanding. Starting and continuing in God's word word leads to knowing the truth and having discernment and uh, and being free in Christ uh, not to sin. The path of your knowledge of truth is important also, which is what we've been talking about today. If you start wrong, and stay on that course, you will end wrong. You will end up somewhere you didn't intend to be, like taking I-94 east or west, right, to get to Florida. Chicago, here I come, right? Or like learning how to bake a cake using a dictionary. You won't be having any cake or eating any cake either, but your vocabulary will be awesome. Next time, Lord willing, we will finish up with the endpoint of or destination of knowledge as we talk about the many benefits of wisdom and the applications of that. Um, this is something that I just have not been able to shake. This idea of truth, this idea of the word of God being the truth, being immutable, unchanging, a standard. And as much as the world would like for us to redefine truth, redefine right and wrong, determine what is right for me maybe is not necessarily right for you, all these kinds of subjective things, there are some things that are etched in stone that will never change. And that is, is that Jesus Christ is the way, he is the truth, and he is the light, and no man, let me do it politically correct, no man, Woman, boy, or girl, hmm? Hmm? not a single one of them, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but by him. I didn't say it. That's not my idea. That's God's word. Do with it as you will. But we have to have the same kind of boldness and zeal to share the truth as the world has boldness and zeal to share a lie. They have no shame. They have no shame. There's no inhibition. They're not timid. They're not holding back. They have been become emboldened, embrazened. We need to match that with the same tenacity and stop talking about it I do not want Jesus coming back, shaking his head at the church. Hmm? I hope he's not up there shaking his head at the church right now. Hmm? Only reason why I know he's not is because shaking your head is evidence that you don't have control over the situation as it is. And I don't even know if he has the capacity to be disappointed because once again, everything that happens the good the bad and the ugly he knows he knows it's going to happen and he's not a victim of circumstance he's not going to be impacted one way or the other by what we do or don't do in terms of his overall plan but he has infused us into his plan and he that hath begun a good work in us shall perform it until the day of jesus christ So whether you want to go willingly or kicking and screaming, it's going to get done. It'd be better if we do it willingly. All right, church, let's get busy. Amen.